You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and Local Media This Week, the programme where we look at the local print media and we tell you what you might be able to find on it. And uh, we encourage everyone to support uh, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo and all our local print media here in County Clare. Delighted to be joined by most of our uh, our panel again. First of all, John S. Kelly. John, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. Glad to be here. And Pat O'Brien. Pat, good to see you. Thanks, Jim. We don't have uh, David today. Um, he can't be here, but he's ably substituted by Luke Fleming. So, Luke, you're very welcome again. Thanks, Jim. I, I suppose I, on his behalf, I should be shedding tears for Cork, but you can talk <laughs> about that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, there, I suppose Cork hasn't gone completely yet, but... Mm. We're, they're out of our way anyway for the moment. <laughs> yes. Okay, looking at uh, the papers this week and looking at the... First of all, our, our programme is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography, Ruth in Fecal, and uh, we thank her for that. Now, I suppose, Pat, looking at the front pages of the Clare Champion, the Clare Echo, uh, it's the provision of accommodation for asylum seekers and refugees, really this, what meets the eye first. Yeah, well, you know, the first thing here on the, on the Clare Champion, Jim, on the leading article, right-wing extremist stroke or a thin standoff. Local group to maintain watch, watching brief until school move move is off the table. Uh, that's the story there by Dan Denneher. And then you have the, the leading article on the Echo, which is uh, really shocking. Shock as elderly men hit by church at Corofin protest. Mm. An elderly Corofin man was, has sustained facial injuries as a demonstration in North Clare is to go on, uh, undergo an operation. Misinformation that circulated online over the housing of asylum seekers or refugees in the townland of school between Corofin and Dysart led to the, to the staging of a protest on Sunday evening while the man in his 70s suffered an injury. Well known within the community of Corofin, the man tried to gain access to the road leading to the five-bedroom property that was reported to be welcoming up to 20 asylum seekers. Where when did was, that come from, Dad? When he was stopped and didn't recognise that he was, he was stuck with a touch. Uh, that, that that idea that uh, that um, uh, the refugees were being shifted into Corfin. Well, uh, it, it's because it's obviously not true. Yeah, if you're reading through the article, I suppose locals were putting two and two together. They see a lot of work going on in the house and uh, uh, moving a lot of bunk beds and things into. So I suppose they were putting two and two together that uh, that was happening or something like that. Because the the government have 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 uh, said that, mm, that there was no. Um, there was nobody going in there. Mm. But there seems to be, I just wonder what you think of it, John. People arrive and, let's say, infiltrate local yeah. groups. Yeah. And that uh, word infiltrate is has, has uh, a certain type of connotation, hasn't it? It has a certain mm. negative yes, kind of yeah. connotation. Mm. And, uh, and that's, as, as Pat was saying, the main article in The Champion, right-wing extremists stoke Corofin standoff. Hmm. Now, these right-wing uh, extremists, are they belonging to, our listeners will be interested in knowing, are they, belo- are they belonging to any particular group with a title? Yeah, I don't know, probably not. But certainly they're not from, they, they come in from outside and there have been cases of that happening where they come from Dublin or from other places. And what do you think they're after? 
Well, I would think that they're probably after local people who would do their bidding for them yeah. and cause a great fuss and demonstrate against people who are, you know, seeking refugees status yeah. in the country. Um, they have an agenda, which is a right-wing agenda that none of these people should be accommodated. Yeah. And mm. they would try and get locals who maybe are a bit naive at times to uh, do their bidding for them. And is that one of the weaknesses that hits you regarding the, the, the social platform uh, that the, uh, the technology provides now? You know, that you, small you, you individual. Could, you could argue, John, that... Um, we say I think a lot of the sort of mass hysteria, if I was to quote it correctly, in relation to the incident in Corofin and in Inch last week, a lot of that was stoked on social media. Yeah. By people that I'd say would barely know where Corofin is mm-hmm. or anything in relation to what was actually going on. But these people have agendas, you know, they're a group, as you said, we've alluded to it before, you talk about right-wing groups, left-wing groups, and, mm. you know, extreme right-wing groups, but you have a, a, a grouping out there, and it has developed online, especially uh, on different social media platforms that are stoking this narrative, and you have them saying Ireland is full, and... No, it's not just Ireland that they're stating it in. It's in different countries around the world. And you, you, they're sort of stoking the debate in relation to, you know, uh, what type of people are being let into the country, why are they being let into the country. And, you know, in the second half, we'll be talking about, we'll say, a local development that's going to be happening in our area in, in the near future. And a certain amount of this is racist. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's no other way to call it. So, uh, you're worried? I would be very concerned. Yeah. And, and, and Jim, do you, uh, Patty, do you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, even last week in Scarif, when news first broke, we'll say that uh, the hotel in Scarif was going to be used, various reports on social media suggested that they were already here, that they were purchasing alcohol, that they were having barbecues, mm. and that they were wandering the roads. Total fake news. Total yeah. fake news. And what's the impact of that? But you see, John, if you're 100 miles or 5,000 miles away from it, you don't know any better. You just read this and people yeah. have the attention span of sort of like yeah. 10 seconds now. And yeah. they say, oh, it must be true. I'll retweet that. I'll sort of comment on that. Oh, God, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And nothing could be happening. As I said... You know, anyone that sort of passed through Scarif during the week has seen the front door or the hotel is open and it's getting painted inside, but there most definitely aren't people there. Yeah, no. yes. And that's why I'm saying that, you know, the value of having uh, local media covering this topic is illustrated 100% by the journalism that's in both papers this week. Mm. Because there's common sense, there's truth, there's reality. There's in-depth reporting on it. So what are we saying to the people who are listening to well, this debate I would say now? Certainly, there, were, there was a, uh, a thing on Facebook last week under the heading Claire, the Clare Times. Yes. Now, the Clare Times, I've no idea who has who writes the Clare Times. It's not any kind of an official publication. It's just somebody writing anonymously. Mm. And they had a whole load of stuff in relation to 
uh, Scariff and in relation to negative towards anybody mm. moving to Scariff. Yes. Uh, in, in terms of asylum seekers or Ukrainians or anybody. So very, very negative. And what they were doing was trying to stoke up local people, uh, maybe to get them on side and to so that they would start complaining. So what are we saying to the people then, to the general public? I would say what, what Luke says, ignore fake news. But you don't know. You see, they, 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 the, listener, the listener doesn't know whether it's fake. What's the, what, yeah, what you see, the whole thing with a social media platform is, John, it's me giving my opinion, it's you giving your opinion. Yeah. Where do you prove the fact... That's you know, and, the, and the other thing is, look, mostly uh, it's it's anonymous. Correct. Yeah. You know, you know, as I said, if these boys were big enough to sort of put What's their, their name put their name to it mm-hmm. and sort of said, well, I'm a reporter here, or I'm a reporter there, or I'm concerned well, citizen here and there. But you, you look at it and like Cora Finn wasn't just trending in North Clare over the weekend on social media. It was trending nationally. And it was trending internationally. And that was stoked by right-wing elements that are, I'd say that they'd barely be able to spell Corafin, let alone find it on a map. But it's this this narrative that they want to spin. And Mm. it's a continuation on of what has happened with the likes of four years of Trump in America with Boris Johnson. And it's lies, 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 lies. There's sometimes there might be a bit of truth spoken. Mm. But it's, it's getting a, a reaction. Yeah, mm. that's mm. what it is. But then but you look at at the the lead article in the Clare Echo with a shock as elderly man hit by torch at Corofin protest. Here's a 75-year-old individual. Could be her father, could be her husband. Mm. Okay, innocent as the sun in Maytime. And okay. that's one of the dangers of this, that, that these people stoke up such feeling and such passion with, as Luke says, total So are we, going to say, are we in, the, in the media world going to sit back and allow that infiltration, you know, to well, be unanswered? Well, I suppose, as, as you said a moment ago, a about it. we're having a debate about it. We're, we're trying to separate truth from yeah. fiction. Yeah, but like John, uh, sorry, yeah. uh, Jim, that, that, you know, that article, uh, John, you refer to, Park McMahon on the front page of Clare Echo, the second Column, misinformation that circulated online over the housing of asylum seekers or refugees in the townland of school between Corfin and Dysart led to the staging of a protest on Sunday evening where the man in his 70s suffered the injury. So that's reporting of what what it is. Now, I'll just go slightly uh, sideways, is it? And you look at what happened with Inch and, you know, what happened in relation to that. In my opinion... The government and our government agencies have an awful lot to answer for, mm. for that happening in the first place. Because mm. it appears that there was between zero and non-existent communication between the government ag- agencies and locals in the community to let them know X, Y or Z was going to happen. It appears from reading some of the papers that there might have been three or four days' notice given to some people, but this was over the course of a weekend. And just in relation to events in Scariff, uh, there was information that was circulated. It was sent to all the TDs connecting the area to inform them that it was anticipated this was going to happen in early June. So at least there was some communication there. But I'm of the opinion that 
because of the lack of communication in regards to inch, that's partly why the information in relation to Scarif came oh, out. I have no doubt. So yeah, where there is no lack doubt of communication, all. lack of information, yeah. it allows these right-wing extremes Creates to a vacuum. Yeah. yeah, But you have this lack of information for the last 12 months, since, since it all started, because in various places around the country where, where a lot of those people were put in, there was no communication. And if you, commu if, if you com communicate properly with local people, they're very reasonable. So do you yeah. think they've learned? Well, I don't think they have learned. Maybe they have, John. I, I hope they have learned. 20 years ago, John, when I remember the last time there were asylum seekers in the hotel in Scarif. Now, they were there for a number of years. They were very well accepted. There was no problem, whatever, within in the town or around the area from the asylum seekers. They, they, they were perfectly well behaved and... You know, as they are, at the, uh, as they as are currently in most places. But I remember currently. twenty years ago, they were they were um, landed in in the middle of the night, uh, and they were there when we woke up in, in the morning. morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, literally, and, yeah. And that's that's the, what Luke was talking about there yeah. in 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 inch as well. Yes, I mean at least this time in Scariff there is yeah. some bit of information. Oh, so the people in the co-op and the people in the co-op and the community council in Scariff uh, said that they have no they had no contact with anybody and they were prepared to. They were prepared to, to help out in yeah. integrating those people. But you bear in mind that 20 years ago you didn't have this social media, these social media platforms that are out there where anonymous people can sort of spout anonymous things. You know, at least, uh, you know, people that, people that have convictions, John, be they left, be they right, or be they centre, if they have the strength of their own convictions to put their name to it, and not being anonymous, well, you'd, be more, you'd be more inclined to sort of listen to them. You, that's very you might agree with them, but yeah. you listen to them. But, but the actual this type comments of on social media regarding Scarif are clear. There's, a, there's no fudging there. The names are given by the people who actually... Listen. We know them. Yeah, in some cases, and yeah. not in all cases. Well, we no. won't be able to cover everything, but, but uh, uh, hopefully anybody who has a comment to make will sign off themselves on it. Well, Scarif Bay Community Radio will cover any events in Scarif and we yeah. do it fairly. Yeah. But if, 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 if you look at it, Morton um, Hall Merton and Leo um, Varelke have come out and said that we could be doing better. But I have that, if I had that head once, I had it had 40 <laughs> times for the last 10 yeah. months. That's right. They well don't seem to learn. They don't seem to learn. No. Okay, um, we'll, can, we'll go on. Uh, to we'll, we'll have a look at Scarif maybe again in, the, in part two of the programme. Uh, St. Flannan's, we, we gave plenty of coverage to St. Flannan's. Uh, it's on page three, I think, of the Clare Champion, and there's a photograph there, John, you're looking at it. But um, someone is worried about domination and how they knew the proposed development will affect them and will affect uh, the college and the students uh, in the future if it's allowed to go ahead. What do you think yourself about it? Well, I have said it before, I certainly would be against anything being built on the lands at Flannan's. I think those lands are too valuable. Yeah. Uh, and over, and we're talking not just this year, we're talking over the next century. Yeah. yeah. Just 250 first years went into Flannan's last year, and they have more this year, and they have over 1,000, there's, there's 1,200 or 1,400 uh, students there. So you have uh, green areas, uh, I, I think. I think just crazy building that place there anyway. Yeah. Mm. Well, Jessica Quinn in the Champion. Uh, the contentious plans for the development of a 25 million hundred bed community hospital in Ennis have been put on hold as an appeal has been lodged with on board Planola. Uh, 
Yes. Well, that's unfortunate that you see the board, the the planning act allows all that type of of response. It does. It and does. it's one of the difficulties in dealing with planning here. Mickey Joe can object, and suddenly the most important of projects has to be put aside, mm. to wit, the actual hospital community hospital. So it's a question of weighing up the balance. It seems to me uh, between the need for a, a community hospital and the possibility of pr- holding on to land in order to be able to satisfy, at this point, an unknown quantity. Yeah, but I that suppose they're not mutually exclusive either in that you can have a community hospital, but you don't necessarily have to have it in St. Flannan's Green. Space. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently. It, it appears, just we'll say from the second paragraph of our, the third uh Second paragraph of uh, Jessica's article there in The Champion that this new community nursing unit, CNU, has been proposed to replace long-stay and short-stay beds at St. Joseph's. Mm. Mm. So is this going to turn into something like the car park? That, you know, they'll Land be putting, they'll be putting the, the cart before the horse in relation mm. to it. So what are they going to do with Joseph's afterwards? Yes. Like, you, you would potentially argue that there are other greenfield sites and other sites around... Ennis that are potentially uh, of better interest yes. and use for this. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think they're taking seven acres there, Jim, in that place. Yeah. The farmer, Our Lady's Hospital on the Gark yeah. Road. Well, that it's, was, it's that was what, that's, that's, uh, but yeah. you see, Pat, that might make sense, so therefore that's why it's not being considered. There's, 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 I know, lads. There's, there's 20 acres out there uh, uh, beside that old <laughs> building. And the old building is a fine building, lovely stone building, and it's, 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 uh, there was a fire there recently again. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know uh, who owns it, but malicious, uh, malicious fire. Well, there was a, there was people in around it drinking beer or something, and there was a fire set that they had to go out the fire brigade to go out there and quench it and yeah. after it. So yeah. Okay, listen, we're we're nearly um, at half time, even though it's not half time yet. But we'll be we're we're breaking a bit early this week. Um, can we mention the hurling? Because by God, it was some That's weekend okay. last weekend with the senior hurlers beating Cork and Cusick Park and. Uh, qualifying for the Munster final and uh, the Miners defeating mm-hmm. Kilkenny in Thurles on Saturday to mm-hmm. qualify for an All-Ireland final. Pat? Yeah, the, the, well, the Miners on Saturday were fabulous. I was watching it on television and they had the, the, the a fabulous game. They have a fabulous team, the, the Miners. And, and Donald Maloney is involved in and Brian O'Connell from Wolf Tones. And I think Donald there in the sports pages, he's, uh, he's urging people to, to turn out uh, next, next Sunday week at this day week to 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 support them down in in Turles. in the that is in the Munster final no that Ireland final a bigger part the other Ireland final minor yeah. final against yes. against uh, uh, oh, Galway or oh, neighbours up the road yeah Galway have a fine team as well they they defeated Cork in the other semi final but okay. I think I I give Clare a great uh, great chance on that many of the hearty the hearty winning team. Um, no, I'd say the 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 hearty team. They would have a they'd few. They'd be overage, no. They'd be overage. They would well, because this is under, under seventeen. 17. Under seventeen. So course, last yeah. year's hearty team would it be. be no they'd all be over seventeen. Under nineteen is hearty now. Under nineteen. There are lovely photographs yeah. as well in the in all the papers mm. today. Mm. Um, who's that there? John Conlon. John Conlon and David Fitzgerald. John with a with a cork jersey inside out. Mm. Yeah. And uh, loads of photographs uh, yeah. in both papers to. Mark the event. Yeah, I was in Cusick back on Sunday and over on the on the far side and the stand and terrace and the covered terrace and just packed out and packed out. there was atmosphere was great, great. Atmosphere. fabulous that film. Yeah. 
Yeah. Lovely. Okay, I think we're at half time. And it's a pity we don't um, have the cockman here, but so maybe we'll have a go at him next week. He'd be back next week, please God. Are you listening, David? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Pat, uh, we, we're, we're leaving the part two of the show a bit longer today because there's so much stuff on East Clare in the papers. So we'll have a bit of music. Well, of course, uh, this week in Jim, doesn't need the wound. Doesn't need the wound, wound to play, and that's Tina Turner. She, she passed away uh, yesterday uh, after a fabulous career and uh, at the age of 83. So what's love got to do with it is the, is the first one. Okay, today, Tina Turner. Thanks, Pat. You're very welcome back. You're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. And that was the late, the late great Tina Turner with What's Love Got To Do With It? Pat's Choice for the Half Time. So in the second half, a lot of material about East Clare in both the Clare Echo and the Clare Champion uh, this week. So I suppose the... Just to go back to the Clare Lakelands Hotel in Scarlet, and we discussed it there uh, before the break as well. But um, it appears that uh, there are seventy-seven people, John. Yes. Who Tom. are who are coming? Who are going to be in Scarlet? It's gone the fifth of June. The fifth of June, um, I gather. Mm. And we're talking. Uh, the 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 state has released information in regard to the um, who these people are. Families, single girls, and couples, and couples. Yeah, seventy-seven. Yes. So it's not clear whether they're Ukrainians or whether they're yeah. general asylum seekers from yeah. other parts of the uh, could, world. Could, could I clarify one aspect of my own thinking on this? Um, I do believe that anybody coming into the state should be. Uh, what's the word, for the be- want of a better word, certified. That would eliminate, you see, then a, 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 another suspicion mm. that is out there, that these are criminals or whatever it is or might be. So I'm saying, for God's sake, set up a proper certifying, registering facility. And that's probably mm. easily done. And to well, certify them that they are who they say they are. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If they have to spend a... Sometimes it may not be feasible to do that. I appreciate that. Hmm. But where possible that it should be done. I heard it on another platform yesterday. Over 1,500 people have come into the country this year with no documentation since January. And another 350... That's nearly close to 2,000. Another 350 have come in with false documentation. Well, I'd be very Eliminate clear. That. I would be yes, very I'm, clear I'm, I'm as to if someone comes in with no documentation, no passport. No, they got on the plane wherever they came from. They had documentation. They had yeah. documentation going on the plane because Michael O'Leary wouldn't let anyone on his planes without documentation or any other. The documentation has mysteriously disappeared by the time they reach Dublin. So, do you expect a reaction to that type of? I would negative put them back on the plane when it's. 
next time it's flying out if they have no documentation yeah. because they've quite obviously they've deliberately destroyed documentation. How would you feel about that, Luke? You you used to the concept of well, I, documentation. I, I, I wouldn't make any particular comment in relation to John other than say other than to say you only need look across the IRC to see the issues that the UK have in relation to migrants and you look at the way that their sort of their own government are pushing a narrative on that and yeah you've economic migration you have you, you could call it war migration and then you have the other matter where your people that are i wouldn't say they're being trafficked but they're coming not by legitimate means shall we say yeah. and as you said how documentation can exist to get them onto a plane and then they start to land into be it London, Cork, Dundalk, New York or Glenamedy and they've no documentation. Mm. I would agree that certain matters need to be progressed in relation to how that is dealt with. Mm. Yeah. Like genu no one is going to have a, an issue. I, I, I can't see how any genuine Irish person, given our history of mass emigration going back to famine days and how we as a nation of people emigrated mm -hmm. all over the world. I can't see how anyone should have an issue with legitimate people coming into this country and we should do our best to try and look after them as best as we can. Well, I think we're all But when someone tries to pull the wool over your eyes, yeah. mm. I mean, I don't think that should be met with, no. a, and the, with and a sympathetic... And response. the lack of information being given at government levels is concerning mm. Mm. in relation to a lot of issues in relation to it. Not, not just anything for East Clare, but in general. Mm. Mm. But anyway, we should move on. Yeah, anyway... Um, I think whoever comes to the hotel, you know, I certainly would like to see local people welcome them. And Yeah, I, I can't see how people have an issue, Jim, but again, you go back to the issues that were up in North Clare uh, when so many Ukrainian people got foistered upon them, you know, over the last year. There are issues th that we have in relation to services, doctors, hmm. you know, Lack of same, mm, lack yes. of service for the population we have. We don't yeah. have enough people. John, you've alluded to in the past on many an occasion. No doctor and fecal. You know mm -hmm. these things, and you're you're bringing in a lot more people into. You know, if you just take what's over in Bodike, and if there's seventy seven coming here, you have another two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty people in East Clare. That's the size of you know one or two villages. Anyway, I suppose we we nearly can leave that area. Pat, I see you're looking at uh, a picture there, a lovely picture, a few, uh, an artist's impression probably, of the new bridge at Kidaloo. Yeah, it looks very well, the, the, the new bridge, the artist's impression of it. Uh, increased costs will not see Kidaloo Bridge and Bypass Project become like a children, the children's hospital. Well, we hope it won't anyway, because... <laughs> The way that's gone out of control. Uh, Parish McMahon is a story there. Um, By the way, could I ask, I'm fiercely interested in that last comment, Pat. You know, why, why is it we can't manage big projects? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, John. Do you imagine there, there, there should be enough... Possible out of control. Possible. Totally. I mean, she's totally. absolutely yeah. crazy. Hmm. Our, our government, um, are they... 
subject to the whims of the construction industry, I wonder? Well, well, Luke, had, Luke had observations to make earlier on that. Yeah. I've had observations for a long time to, <laughs> to make in relation to it. But w- one thing that, and just in relation to the reporting that's there on it, um, we'll say that Scarif Bay Community Radio has been invited uh, to the municipal district uh, meetings that take place on a two-monthly basis. And yeah. that's a new initiative. And the invite came from the council themselves and, you know, the the elected councillors expressed a desire for us to be there, for which we're very appreciative of. And it was interesting just to see, uh, you know, what goes on at the, at the meetings. And the the reporting that's done here by uh, Porrick and by Fiona in the papers is, there were, like, Sisk are the managing company for, for this project. And they they had a lot of you know they had an online presentation they had uh, three or four people in the room and they had another three or four people online in relation to it and cost is um one of the very big things that is mentioned all the way along in relation to this and i would be fairly confident from what they said and i think it's fair to say that from Clare and Tipperary councils that they are keeping a watching eye in relation to costs and that there are regular sort of stages where, you know, if there's if there's any potential issues arising, this isn't going to be like something akin to, you know, the, the children's hospital where after about two and a half years they sort of found out, oh, we never put in a plan for, you know, the electrics, that's going to cost another 350 million. Mm. There aren't any issues like that in relation to it. They gave very detailed accounts in relation to the works that were being carried out. Uh, you know, they've started piling in the river. They have licensing issues and like they have licensing times that are that are given to them for a particular period of time. And it's basically, they said, uh, you know, it's a bit like getting boots on the ground, John. They have a period of time to do it. And there is there is <laughs> yeah. a defined period of time. There, the, the, the bridge is a three, there's a three phase project to it. You have the bridge itself, you have the Killaloo bypass on the, on the Clare side, and then you have the works on the Tipperary side. And one of the interesting things I found in relation to it was that, uh, and I suppose we didn't sort of fully realise it, the majority of the issues, potential issues in relation to works, are on the Tipperary side, because there's up to 100 houses that are being affected, literally from Bird Hill in as far as the bridge. And there are actually three bridges as part of the plan, because we say the road coming from Bird Hill into Balna, that is all going to be literally replaced. You know, but I, I, I would be fairly confident with what what they have outlined uh, is that the Killaloo bypass, which would affect us, you know, uh, if you weren't crossing over uh, yeah. in, into Tipperary, you're talking, uh, if memory serves, you're talking between October and December next year for that part to be finished. The bridge itself is scheduled to be in that timeline as well. And you're talking March 2025 for works on the Kidaloo, on the Balna side to be finished. And you see, there, there, yeah. the, there are issues, you know, we said you, you talk about your cost issues. This is basically where CISC will start to say, right, we're on the ground here for 24 months. We need to get X, Y, and Z done in that twenty-four month period, and it's if you know if, if things go left or right, 
on that. That's where cost overruns could happen. And some of the people from CISC, they did make the point that they spent about a million euros on pre-works before they got their main people on the ground. And they said that that has had a very positive effect on how the schedule is going so far. That's and I'd say a bit of common sense being used there. Kerry yeah. O'Connor, he's from Cool Me, and he's, uh, he's um, the, um, the regional director of CISC. And he, he says that um, said the back end of 2024 was a likely completion from the Kildu bypass and the Shannon Bridge crossing, and March 2025, the target for the R494 upgrade. Yeah. So, uh, so this time, two years, yeah, with we should God's be, help, we will yeah, yeah. be able to yeah. drive to Balanair. He says it is no very challenging because uh, I think the, the 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 marine craft that they use on the river is used is needed over in Valletta in Malta, and they have to get the, the, the work done in, in in a certain time frame because the the they're going to need those craft over in, in Malta. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what's Cesaro, Cesaro, very tight. We'll get Killaloo done first, if we can. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's very interesting. And what, just, Luke, you were at the meeting last week. Yeah. Uh, what were your impressions, it being the first such meeting you've attended? Uh, yeah, um, I suppose it's the closest I think you can get to seeing democracy in action. You know, and um, there is a number of motions that each of the councillors put in. We'll be talking about a few of them, uh, you know, later on and the reactions that are given by the council. And then there's a debate and the the councillors will have their say and they'll start to try to push, you know, for one thing over the other. But um, I pleasantly... um, Pleasantly Sur- impressed. Surprised. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't good. say surprised. No, uh, pleas- pleasantly impressed. Well, he, it was good, but it was good to the, see. The question comes out of, the, of that particular latter conversation uh, that I live with now as a citizen. The billions are pouring in. Fact. Yes. It's maybe windfall. I don't care what you call it. A billion in the count, sixty billion, whatever the, the figure is raises a fierce challenge for government, whoever that government would be. How do you spend or how do you handle such a vast, vast, we never had it, of course we had, never had this before, that surplus in the, in the, uh, in the uh, exchequer. What well, way would you feel? John, if you was listening to George Duffy for the last two days, they could spend 300 million very easily on the people with disabilities. There was people on, and they bring tears to your eyes, uh, and they're looking after adults, and they, 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 have no, they have no services when, when, they, when, I heard when their I children, heard, heard, yeah. when, when, they, when they pass on and their children are left there. Yeah. And there was, um, they're on for the last two or three days now. I yeah. have bits and pieces of it when I was in, in at home uh, at lunchtime. But uh, it was fairly serious stuff, and uh, they said that uh, it just appears that there's lack of funding, and we we we, we have an apple and mustard talk, and twenty billion or something that happened was, was it funding that would be a repeat funding, or was it a once-off funding to satisfy uh, the needs of a particular project? Well, one 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 woman's on it, and she seemed to know to, to to know what she was talking about. And she said, if there was, she 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 um, she laid out three different phases, three different uh, yeah. areas. Yeah. And she said, if there was a hundred million spent in one and a hundred in another, and she said three hundred million would solve the problem. Fair enough. 
that's if then that's but, but your question is relevant because if yeah. it's continuous funding oh that's a problem you know that the, means you're committing to that funding yes. in future yeah years. but john but john sorry look no, no we like to be fair uh, people with disabilities and people that uh, you know, the, with children uh, with disabilities, like it isn't their own fault, and and I think the state has an, an obligation to look after them. Mm. I think yeah. there are serious issues in rela- you you look at health and housing, right? Mm. And that issue is a health issue. Okay. It's, it's not just a sort of a beds issue; it's another associated issue with it, and it's another example of how this country does not plan. Mm-hmm. and that there are no plans put in place. And the mental health side of things as well, which if you talk to anyone on the ground, mm-hmm. and especially with our younger people, will tell you is an area that... Uh, Needs men- addressing, yeah. Mental health didn't yeah. exist when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, issues, yeah. Very little. And not dealing with it is storing up trouble for uh, the future. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and but you are citizens now. We well, are citizens. And we're in a position to spell this kind of thing out, mm-hmm. okay, so that it's considered. But I think the spending of the money has to be sort of across the board. There have to be some, let's say, short-term, once-off issues dealt with, particularly infrastructure yeah. and things like that. Uh, people have to get a few bob in their pockets as well. Right, uh, I think we'd all agree with that. And of the living guns. So but, but there's also must be like the, the health and the, uh, the mental health, but the physical health as well. Would you support, uh, yeah, would you support uh, um, the expenditure of a massive amount of money on the building of wind farms? Since, in fact, you are helping a project that is returning to you yes. long term. I have not heard anybody who has discussed this question refer at all to wind farms. Because that would make sense, because we're going to have to do that anyway. And, but I mean, it, it, it's, it beggars belief in my answer. They seem to be, be going for uh, private companies and, and, right. and then yeah. getting the wind farms up and then yeah. buying, buying it back off them. Yeah. Listen, we must move on because yeah. we'll we run out of time. Uh, the, the car parking in Scarif was also mentioned at that meeting and it's it's in the yeah it's page 8 in the champion there the uh, Fiona yeah. has the article and it's, it's a bit slow uh, yeah it is and it's one of those great uh, quotes John that a history man like yourself would, would like uh, Rome wasn't built in a day <laughs> no indeed <laughs> you know and that's yeah. uh, quoted from Councillor Pat Burke uh, was uh, talking about the car park issue in, in Scarif uh, it's still ongoing uh it's basically the sale of the land is not, or the land is not currently in the possession of the council, so they can't really progress it until it is. But um, I suppose again, sometimes John is just one of those things, and things don't happen exactly sometimes as fast as we like them to finish. But one positive side of it is, is that if it does get up and running, uh, it will be 42 car parking spaces is what they anticipate they'll be able to put into it. Now that's a significant amount of parking. You know, uh, would, would you have it free? Uh, oh, you could, of course, John. You could. You don't charge for parking in rural villages mm-hmm. if you're expecting to get. Mm-hmm. You're the, the councils are trying to get people back into villages, mm-hmm. and if you're going to go charging 
for you know that's that's not good. That's and not going to be a way to do it. For anyone who drives into Scarif nearly any day of the week, yeah, just pretty, it's chock a block. And you've better watch the boot, the, the rear end of your car because it gets hit. Yeah. So you, with you have the parking to drive that goes on in Scarif. And and the idea of pulling up in front of the shop where you're going, yeah, is it. is probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, okay. That's great. Talk, I suppose. We'll just move it on anyway, Scott. It uh, uh, will eventually be done at Sergeant. It will. The main team at the, the, the article here. And the whole, you know, the public realm and the whole area of Scarif hopefully will be uh, redeveloped um, and done positively. Going to Fecal now. And uh, there's a debate in Fecal about one-way system for the main street. And the main street in Fecal, of course, is narrow enough. It is. But then, do you remember when we were uh, members of the community council, Jim, and the question of traffic jamming on the hill, yes. coming up the hill from the bank side? Okay. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if we had two rows of cars, you know, on that hill mm. now? But when we introduced the idea and put it out for a debate... It was interesting that there was um, objection. Do you remember that? There were, I do indeed, John. And, and people, I suppose, people that don't like change, <laughs> even business people in that street were very much against it. I, I say it's probably an area where the powers that be, the county council, have to just say, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Do you well, know? Again, Too much democracy. Just, just looking at, uh, I call it democracy in action, yeah. uh, because... You had all the councillors, uh, that which was one of the motions that was at uh, the council meeting, and all the councillors gave their thoughts on it. The council gave their thoughts. And a little bit like they were all in agreement that um, for safety, you need to foot, put footpaths in. And in relation to safety in faecal, you can argue there's a severe lack of footpaths. Mm -hmm. And the issue is that if you put a proper footpath into these areas, it's not going to be wide enough for two cars to go by. And then you get into the debate of, right, mm. do you leave it as it is? Do you do nothing? Do you put a footpath in and pretend it'll be okay? Or do you try and come up with a plan and do it the best way that we can? Now, I would just say to you, John, uh, and you don't need to go back 20 years. The bridge in Killaloo, two-way traffic. Killaloo Hill, two-way traffic. Mm. In around Tungraney Village two-way traffic. Scarif, two-way traffic. Mount Shannon Harbour, two-way traffic. Have all been adjusted to one way on certain parts of them, one way or the other. And you know what? Earth hasn't fallen yet. No, no. We're doing okay. And you, you cannot argue that from a safety point of view, I said, if there's a footpath there for people to get by, and if, it, if having a one-way system saved one person from getting knocked down, I think it's a point well worth considering. Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose if you travel from, from Fecal Village down to the post office or down to Pippers, the, the, yeah. the footpath there is very narrow. Yeah, yeah and they and were talking about down to the hub as well. Down to the hub, yeah. yeah. And if you, I suppose, you, you, if you widen the footpath without getting land, either that or you'll have to get the land from, from people inside it, take away the, the, the fence or the leech and move it in, or else you'll have to widen the footpath and have a one-way system. And the matter of interest, the proposed parkway in Scarif, uh, will it be possible to access the rear end of the hub building from the car park. 
I'd imagine that's a matter that would be considered and probably would make sense. I, I would imagine there, yeah. just there's probably going to be a walkway, John. I'd, I would imagine yeah. maybe from opening it, it up. I would think so. Yeah. From what I know, they would say the site which was bought, the the O'Byrne site, yeah. Merriman Tavern, that is quite narrow as it reaches the bottom, but I think it goes down to the. Yeah. to the road or very close to the road yeah. anyway yeah I, th- yeah. I think th- I so think there would be uh, the possibility yeah, would exist but John I think the bigger thing that would need to be borne in mind with that as well is that a, a proper plan for we'll say driving around Scarf needs to be developed because what's there at the minute isn't 100% safe I would be of the opinion no. because yeah. you have three or four directions coming together yeah. you know yeah, particularly around the market house oh the, yeah it's, it's it's very unsafe and it's yeah. unsafe because somebody we don't know which who has the right of way well somebody coming up let's say from the church street and yeah. turning up and wanting to cross to go down we'll say towards the hospital the, the ambulance station yeah and you're looking every way to see what cars are coming <laughs> sometimes you might miss someone crossing <laughs> yeah, the road and you could easily get oh, t-boned yeah. yeah pat uh there was a an event during the week uh, where the commemorating Edna O'Brien, the Edna yeah, O'Brien Awards. This is the annual Edna O'Brien Awards, and uh, there's a, a nice picture here on the top, and then uh, Natasha Belton took the photograph, and it's Elia Leonard of Scarlet Community College with the Edna O'Brien Award for writing for 2023. And um, John, John has a connection to that award, which is his son, and uh, donated it to the, the school, and uh, it looks very well. Ela um, <coughs> Penn's prize-winning portrait is the is the heading, and uh, Fiona McGarry um, has the story. And Fiona, uh, I think her photograph is there as well, um, um, addressing the the children in the school in 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 in, in, the, in the paper as well. Yes. Uh, connections with, connections with the team for this year's Ethno O'Brien Award for writing, with three winning entries revealed last Monday at Scar Community College. The initiative, which is now in its second year, saw the overall prize awarded to Elia Lennard for her poem, Lost in the Sound. Fellow 50-year student Kira Cooney was highly commended for her poem, Healing, and so was 60-year's Emily Chen for her poem, You and Me. Emily was a winner of last year's overall award, set up by Mrs. Shulia Callum to spark creativity in writing. And to take uh, inspiration from author Edna O'Brien, Miss Callum describes it from Grady Native as fearless and one of Ireland's greatest living writers. So um, it's just marvellous. It's marvellous to have that uh, initiative there in, in, in the school every year and uh, to, to promote uh, writing and poems. And yeah, well, we had Carol McNamara from Scarif Bay Community Radio who attended and uh, she did a few interviews. They were broadcast yesterday, but they will be on... Uh, podcast uh, in the coming week yeah and the whole event was recorded as well jim so we'll have that i'd say probably next weekend as well but there's so a few lovely photos there john in the paper of of your alma mater there <laughs> in, indeed um and it's nice that the connection is made with edna formal connection is made with edna o'brien and clearly her nephew michael who visited with her last week um expressed her view that she was delighted with it. Now, there is no other formal connection between this great writer, do you agree, Jim? Yes. And, and um, our home place. So it's, it's delightful 
yeah. but the college is in some way now connected yeah. formally. Very good. And considering she lives literally, she was Across born and reared literally a stone's throw away yeah. from it. Across the road. As which Michael alluded to John uh, in Tungreni. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, and that's good. And we'll have that debate again. We will be. Pat, uh, the, on, on the Clare Echo, on, on page 15 of the Clare Echo, there's a guide to festivals in County Clare this summer. I suppose there's a, a time for uh, festivals, Jim, now in the, for the summer, and um, you have um, all the various um, festivals around the county mentioned uh, um, here on the, on the Clare Echo. And, um, Sorry, Pat, what page is that? Events, 15. Uh, page 15. You have Geopark Geo Academy in Kilfenora on May 27 to 28, a weekend of talks and into the laser research in geology, ecology and archaeology. And that's in, in Kilfenora. You have Fanu and Innes on May 27 to June 5th. And there's um, three big concerts there. And, and our own Nathan Hayes is in, in Gore on the, on, on the Sunday night at the bank on the weekend. Uh, you have Dunbeg International Jazz on June 2nd to the 5th as well. So there's a lot of things on over the bank holiday weekend. There's, there's a lot of things Dual and Folk Fest not mentioned here Pat oh there is yeah well, we, we can get on to them in a few minutes Look, uh, the flag hole <coughs> on Clark and Innes was on June 10th uh, as well and the 17th and 18th and Willie Clancy is coming up in July early July um, the Almeida Festival New England Festival in Spanish Pint Fela Brian Baru in Kilrush uh, Vandalua Festivals in, in July as well and there's a score in the ring of Clare uh, Cycleways uh, traditional Music Festival in Kilgush and the Fecal Traditional Festival August 9th to the 14th and Cahar Connell International Formless Festival which is on the 26th to 27th of August and the Irish Open is on the 31st to the 3rd of September in uh, Drumoland. Well, you have, of course, you have the, the, you have, uh, the Arts Festival in, in Mount Shannon next week which isn't here now and you have Tungreni Festival as well uh, uh, in the bank all the weekend and you have a Killaloo Musical and Festival Killaloo well. Musical Festival yeah you have you have the Tolla Festival nearly yeah. every weekend for and the summer there's there there is, is, yeah. there are festivals and you have the Scarif Harbour Festival the yeah. August bank holiday yeah, weekend yeah, yeah. so they're maybe they'll put them in next week mm. um, and interesting. This, this Sunday you have over in Kaikanoon you have uh, the Vikings on Saturday and Sunday, the Vikings are going to be there uh, um, with a, a festival of a re reenactments. Yeah. Reenactment every week, every year. Okay. So. Looking at the page 13 on the Clare Champion, the East Clare page, uh, Raheen Wood, I see, are looking for traffic calming. And uh, it's something that, that most schools would want to make sure. Absolutely. Why is there a reluctance to install traffic? calming uh, situations. I, I would, would I go again, John, that this is a bit, little bit like um, one hand not knowing what the other hand was doing and that there seems to be a big lack of thought put into it. Uh, yeah. And especially when the uh, footpath would say it was being put in, I think it would have been an ideal time for it to do it. And if you sort of <coughs> note that uh, once they noted the total abandonment of cars at two mile gate it didn't take them long to get that uh, speed limit signs put in and they still haven't done anything who uh, to whom does a community refer it's a, a council it's a council matter. to the council yeah i know in when i was in mount shannon we we looked for we were getting these amber lights outside the school yeah 
and um, we didn't think that they would be sufficient. Oh, right. So we looked for um, traffic lights yes. that you can press a button and they go uh, red. Yes. Now eventually we got them after a large, a, la- a big fight. Yes. And who, to, with whom did you deal? Again with the council. Yeah. Um, like you, you could argue the worst case scenario, and I just know, we say from first hand experience, that you know there's two sets of pedestrian lights in Tungraney now. They're con- confusing a little bit. Do you know if I'm passing, if I'm coming past the national school? Okay. Yeah. My eye it catches the green, the green light in front of Hassett's. Yeah. Does that? mean anything to, you, to well, yourselves uh, again uh, you could debate whether having a set of pedestrian sa- traffic lights within 20 feet of a, uh, two stop signs is a good idea in relation to uh, Raheen Hill you could argue that putting a set of pedestrian lights up there I think should be a minimum requirement because mm-hmm. if that allows children to safely cross the road mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be uh, whatever about their speed limits? You know, reducing yeah, the speed. Yeah, like yeah. the road is narrow up there; it's yeah, on a hill, yeah. so there are issues. But like mm-hmm. a little bit, like if you put a, a sign up saying "traffic lights ahead," well, you're going to slow down some little bit. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. As a matter of interest, do any of you vis- see in your mind's eye the uh, sti- the iron? Uh, we'll call it natural sculpture uh, on McMahon's. Uh, site on Raheen Hill. It's oh three, yes, three, you know it. the wheels. I do. Yes. Now, Michael, I talked to Michael the other the other day about about it, and he's more than willing to donate it to any community group in Scarf who'd be interested in taking it. Hmm. Just a piece of information. Yes. Well, maybe Anybody the listening? Grainy Development Association or Scarf Community Council or whatever. Yeah. Maybe he wants to, did you mean Scarif or the general area? Ah, well, I'd say Michael is op- open to the, the general area. And, yes. and Tom Graney would have to be considered. Ah, there's wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we only have about a minute to go. And a topic that none of us know anything about. What is it? Uh, young rugby star decides to give cooking a try. Uh, <laughs> Dan Danher has the article there uh, on it. And a lady that... Um, uh, our ladies on the Chronicle spoke to la- last last week. Uh, Mia Henley uh, won an overall award, become the National Junior Chef of the Year recently. Yeah. And Marie, Marie and Trish spoke to yeah. her, and they, they actually recorded the interview because she couldn't come in on Saturday morning because she yeah, was taking part in this. Yeah, and she was. They were telling me here because I was engineering for them. They were really, really impressed with this girl. Do you know, she has just. Uh, she struck them as being a very, very. Smart lady and full what of age potential. She, she's uh, she captains the under sixteen Munster Ladies Sevens team at Centre John. She, she's a very good uh, r- r- underage player. rugby player and also seems to be a very good chef. So, and her native area is Killaloo. Killaloo. Mm. Okay, listen. I'd say we're nearly done at this point. Uh, we want to just say. It's sorry that uh, David isn't with us because we can't, we couldn't talk too much about um, Cork, but sure, maybe we'll talk about it again next week when he comes back. Um, many thanks uh, to everybody for coming. Uh, John S. Could I just, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. TDs are being urged to support the firemen's case. Please read on page 11 uh, a problem. Of the Clare Champion. Of the Clare Champion. A problem. Uh, associated with uh, the fire 
fire service. Okay. They have made requests and they need the support of our TDs and our senators and our councillors. Yeah. Okay. So read it on page 11. We'll refer that to people to read. Again, John S. Many thanks for joining us today. And to Pat, Thanks thank you very, very much. Not at all. And to Luke, Thanks, uh, for doing not just uh, contributing to the programme, but doing the sound as well. And uh, we we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you next week at 2pm on next Sunday. Have you uh, a song to for us to close on, Pat? Well, we'll, we'll keep up with, with Tina, Tina Turner, and we'll have simply the best. Okay. And uh, that's it. Uh, Scarif Bay Community Radio, simply the best. Uh, Goodbye from us. God bless. We'll see you next week.